and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. This is the program broadcast on 20 stations throughout this formerly great nation of ours, where each Sunday we get together for three hours. We talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives. We're not selling you anything at all. This is not your usual weekend crap. This is real radio, the best you're going to find, certainly at this hour on a Sunday night. And uh, we provide you the week's news in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Otherwise, it wouldn't be the John and Leah show. Uh, Leah does the program from Alabama. I do it from just outside of Los Angeles. Leah, congratulations on your Crimson Tide, winning another game yesterday against Tennessee. Thank you very much. I, I did not have a cigar, though, but uh, it looks like everyone else did. <laughs> I was actually glad to see that the game was uh, somewhat competitive. I'm a big fan of the uh, Alabama-Tennessee rivalry. I used to live in Nashville when I was doing talk radio there, and uh, that rivalry has um, seen better days, and now that Tennessee is starting to get back to being competitive, it was nice to see that the game was a good one. I, I am completely convinced um, that we are headed for total chaos in college football, uh, the types of which we've already seen with that uh, crazy Michigan-Michigan State game and yesterday with Florida State and Georgia Tech. I'm sure, by the way, the Alabama fans felt real bad for Florida State with that uh, kick-six play, which was very reminiscent of the Alabama-Auburn game from a couple of years ago. But I am totally convinced, uh, much like I am with Hillary Clinton being the next president of the United States, that the only reason to think Hillary's not going to be president and the only reason to think there's not going to be total chaos in college football come playoff time is that it's so obvious that both are true. Uh, I don't think there are going to be any more than maybe two, possibly three undefeated teams from major conferences. And uh, that means there are going to be a whole bunch of one-loss teams. Uh, it's going to create enormous controversy. And, of course, uh, there is still, uh, increasingly now, the chance of the um, the worst possible scenario for Alabama, which is that old Miss wins out uh, and gets the SEC championship game with two losses, which would really create enormous amounts of chaos. So, oh, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's possible. I mean, all they got to do is win out, and they they uh, they beat Texas A&M yesterday, which was a big hurdle towards that. But I still think Alabama will end up uh, going because I think they'll probably win out the LSU game this week. Of course, we'll uh, tell the tale. All right. Um, now, if you weren't with us last week, and if you've already, or, or you know, if you have never listened to this program before, which, of course, if you've never listened to this program before, it's a pretty good bet you didn't listen to us last week. That's right. Uh, uh, <laughs> Cole we, is crazy, but, right, you know, right. we'll go with it. That, that's that's logic for you. I mean, that, that might be beyond <laughs> the grasp of a lot of liberals to figure out that, that logic. But um, but here's the deal. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty uh, objective about what we do on a program. I think I, at least I'd like to think I'm objective. I often say that I'm the most open-minded person in the world, and damn it, no one can convince me otherwise. That's right. Uh, last week's show was at least an A, um, if not an A-plus in this great inflation world in which we now live where everything's an A. Uh, if you listen to our podcast at uh, freespeechbroadcasting.com, that's our website, freespeechbroadcasting.com, where you can check out each of the 20 different stations that uh, this show is broadcast on each uh, Sunday evening. The podcasts for all of the most recent programs are there. And you, if you listen to that, of course, don't listen to it now. That would be awkward to be listening to the show live <laughs> and also on podcast. <laughs> but when you get a chance, listen to the show, and you're going to find that almost everything we said there turned out to be not just true, but verified in spades over this past week. And so we'll try to live up to that lofty standard. You know, uh, Leah, one of the founding principles of this program is that we have now officially left the gravitational pull of the rational earth. 
Oh, for sure. I, I came up with that phrase. I didn't copyright it. I should have. I should have trademarked it uh, back when we were on KFI in Los Angeles uh, eight or nine, ten years ago. Uh, and it's 100% true. We have, we've absolutely left the gravitational pull of the rational Earth. And let's just go through very, very quickly to start things off just some of the examples from this past week. So we have uh, Ahmed Clockmed, the clock boy from <laughs> Texas. Uh, yeah. He in, in one week's time, he meets with and is photographed with the the butcher of Darfur. He then goes to the White House and gets greeted by the president of the United States. Correct. And within 24 hours, his family announces they're moving to Qatar. That's right. And this is that's the- where we put terrorists when they get out of <laughs> Gitmo. FYI. And, and, there, and this is not even remotely a news story. The news coverage. It's not controversial at all. This is the news coverage. <laughs> Of clock med and the developments there. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Then, if, as if that's not enough, we got Caitlin Bruce Jenner, who still has male parts, being named Glamour Magazine's Woman of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Does anyone even read Glamour? It's a desperate attempt to it, become relevant. I, just, I still, though, Leah. I mean, it's just insane. Then we have. Um, the biggest hurricane that has ever been created by nature, causing no damage at all. <laughs> not yeah, a, that was a shocker. Not, not a bit. Imagine that. These are these experts being wrong about something just hours in <laughs> advance. Biggest hurricane in history, no damage. Uh, we've also got. Um, let's see. On the beginning of the week, everyone said Biden is in. He's going to announce soon. It's That's with, right. Within 48 hours. By the end of the week, Biden is out. Jim Webb is out. Lincoln Chafee is out. All while the Democratic frontrunner is testifying in front of Congress because yep. of the, the deaths of four Americans. And, oh, by the way, he still faces an FBI investigation of possible criminal activity on her emails. Well. This is This is amazing. Um, and of course, when she testifies, it's proven that she lied yes. uh, about the reason for uh, the uh, terrorist attacks of Benghazi. And again, the news media narrative is <gasps> she escaped unscathed. <gasps> She's it's- so presidential. <laughs> I mean, it's such an upside down world we're living in. And then to top it all off, not only are Donald Trump and Ben Carson dominating the Republican field. I mean, <laughs> dominating. There's a new poll out today indicating that that the vast majority of Republicans view Trump and Carson as the two most electable options in a there general election. This, you cannot make this stuff up. You, this is we we have left, ladies and gentlemen. We have left <laughs> the gravitational pull of the rational earth. Now it makes for great talk radio. But not so. But that's much, about it. Yeah, not so much for a great nation. <laughs> uh, but we do have a lot to talk about in the next uh, two hours and forty-five minutes, and we'll start with the news of the week when we return on this edition of the John and Leah Show, right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. 
My co-host is Leah Brandon, and this is the program where we take a look at the news of the week from an entertaining, informative, and unique perspective. And, um, you know, speaking of holding out for a hero, there have been a lot of conservatives that have been holding out for a miracle when it comes to Hillary Clinton and specifically the Benghazi investigation and her much-anticipated, although not by me, because I knew how this was going to turn out exactly, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, testimony occurred this week. So, Leah, why don't you give us the details on what happened there? Well, uh, basically the thing to come out of it is that during the hearings it became very clear that she lied to the American people about the reason for the attack. She lied to the family members. <laughs> I'm sorry. She, what difference at this point exactly. does it make? There we go. She lied to the family members of the victims, and she lied for days afterwards. Now, on the night of 9-11-2012, she wrote an email to her daughter that said two of our officers were killed in Benghazi by an al-Qaeda-like group. Also, she talked with the Libyan president that night. She said that a terrorist group was claiming responsibility. Representative Jim Jordan from Ohio talks about a third email from that night. The next day, within 24 hours, you had a conversation with the Egyptian prime minister. You told him this. We know the attack in Libya had nothing to do with the film. It was a planned attack, not a protest. State Department experts knew the truth. You knew the truth. But that's not what the American people got. Why didn't you tell the American people exactly what you told the Egyptian prime minister? Well, I think if you look at the statement that I made, I clearly said that it was an attack, and I also said that there were some who tried to justify Secretary it Clinton, on, the basis, on the basis of the video, Congressman. And I but, think but, it's, but, but, but real quick, calling it an attack is like saying the sky's blue. Of course it was an attack. Well, you know, we shortly, want to know the truth. This, the statement you sent out was a statement on Benghazi, and you say vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material on the Internet. If that's not pointing as the motive of being a video, I don't know what is. And that's certainly what, and that's certainly how the American people saw it. Well, well, Congressman, there was a lot of conflicting information that we were trying to make sense of. The situation was very fluid. It was fast moving. There was also a claim of responsibility. Uh, the other thing to come out of the hearings, basically, was that she did not have a computer in her office, allegedly. <laughs> Not that you would want your Secretary of State to have a computer in their office in, uh, in this day and age. But, um, look, uh, here's the deal, of course, much to the chagrin of many conservatives, but not a surprise to me. Uh, this thing went down exactly as people like me would have expected. Uh, there were revelations that an irrational world would have been yeah. damaging to Hillary Clinton. Correct. I mean, that was a lie. It's clear that it was a lie. It's always been presumed to be a lie. Now we know for sure it was a lie. But, you know, as, as Hillary has said... What difference at this point does it make? And in yeah. her mind, and in the minds of the news media, I understand why they say that. Of course, it's not it's not rational. It's not true. It should matter. But here's why it doesn't matter to them. One, because it doesn't help them politically. But two, see, they see the world through an entirely political prism. They do. Everything is political. And yes. so, therefore, just by virtue of the fact that this was an election season where we were less than two months to a presidential election, and because 
they thought it might be a video, or at least somebody rumored it could be a video, or a video had come out around that time, and some, you know, that was a plausible explanation, which would not make the administration look bad. It yep. would not destroy their anti-Al-Qaeda narrative. Because they used that, and it was a good political card to play, the media doesn't care that that's a lie. One, because... That election's over. The media right. feels like they already won. We already won that game. So, That's correct. So why are we replaying that game? I mean, the media won in 2012. They're on the same team. So why are we replaying? It's like arguing over a bad call in a Super Bowl from three years ago. It's a, you know, let's move on, people. This is this is not important anymore. Cause do what you have to do to win. Exactly. That's what it, that's those are the rules. So if it's if it the purpose of it, this is the way the media looks at it. If the purpose was to maintain power where it ought to be in their minds, which is with the left, Obama, the Democratic Good Party, gosh. and and nobody got hurt because of it. In other words, well, directly hurt. Four but, people are dead. No, well, that, but, but, that, other but, than that. but that had already happened. So I'm just telling I'm just telling you how they rationalize it in their minds. Because when she says, "What difference at this point does it make?" She's not lying. I know. That's what she believes. Because in her worldview, that's all that matters. Hey, look, I came up with the best story at the time that was at my disposal that you guys might buy. And you did. And by the way, we we ran with that story for many days on many different outlets. And, and it, Susan Rice. Absolutely. <laughs> and it absolutely impacted the presidential election because it it completely discombobulated Mitt Romney. It tied two hands behind his back in that debate um, where Candy Crowley basically took the side of Barack Obama over right. th- over this entire issue. Had we known then what we know now, that whole set of circumstances would have been totally different. In fact, they it, covered it up. It might have broken the, the election the other direction. We don't know. We'll never know. But but in the media's mind, this is irrelevant. And, and then they arrested the guy. Well, yeah, the, the filmmaker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the way, by the way, the <laughs> filmmaker. You know, that's a great point. And, and nobody and, brought that up at the hearings, which yeah. I was like, hello. You know, what about the poor filmmaker? Not that, I mean, you know, it's hard to have sympathy for this guy because he, you know, he's a highly unsympathetic character. But if you give a damn about free speech, and oh, by the way, he did not cause the deaths of the four people in Benghazi, but he got no, arrested he for purely political reasons. That's Correct. A, you know, that's a, I didn't even think about that. That's a great point. And he point. spent a year in prison for it. And hasn't even gotten an interview on the Today Show. It's <laughs> oh, it's unbelievable. You know, that's a that's an outstanding point. I'm glad you raised it because that completely blew. You know, that 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 did not cross my mind, even though it should have. Because this is, you know, I'm a documentary filmmaker myself. That, that he wasn't making documentaries, but yep. you know, I'm a free speech guy. Uh, there's no question that that guy got screwed in all this, both oh, yeah. both legally and from a a PR standpoint. When we come back, uh, I wanted to just make a few more points about uh, why this whole thing went down the way that it did and uh, and what it means politically for the presidential race. Uh, we'll do that when we come back on the John and Leah Show right here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. And uh, we're wrapping up our thoughts on uh, what, for some people, was supposed to be the big news story of the week. But it uh, unfortunately didn't really materialize the way uh, many on the right had hoped, which was the testimony of Hillary Clinton at the Benghazi hearings in Congress. And, you know, uh, Leah, obviously the media reaction was just as anybody who understands the media would have expected, which was... (gasps) Hillary did such a good job. Uh, She didn't get, uh, you know, there was no glove that touched her. She handled everything like a pro. She's Uh, put all this behind her now. Yes, yes. The fact that she lied is irrelevant because that was just politics. Interestingly, about the only major news figure I saw that took issue with this was Megyn Kelly. It doesn't really matter since she's on Fox News Channel and therefore doesn't have any influence really over the mainstream news media. But it was so emblematic that Megyn Kelly did a commentary about the media was wrong to automatically disregard the Benghazi hearings as not having done any damage to Hillary Clinton. And yet the only thing anyone I saw really talk about with regard to Megyn Kelly's commentary was her new hairdo. So that, That's there, right. There and how go. it doesn't work on her. <laughs> there we go. Well, I actually like it. But, but isn't, that, isn't that so typical of where we are as a country? <laughs> Yes. So the one new, the one big time news person who stands up and says, "Hey, wait a minute! Did you guys not notice what really happened in these hearings?" And let's talk about her hair. Uh, so that's where we are, ladies and gentlemen, in 2015. That's why we are so utterly screwed. Now, if the news media was remotely fair, and journalism mattered, and if they wanted, see, the, the news media can do pretty much whatever they want now in this, of course, in this 24/7 fragmented media age. I'm always Harping on the phrase that, I don't know if I created it, but I've never heard anyone else say it. It's not what gets reported, it's what gets repeated that matters. Because uh, people are so inundated with media and so many people have tuned out of actual hard news as if there is any hard news anymore. That unless something is repeated and repeated and repeated, it really has very little impact. And the news media is like the weather. And that's the real advantage for liberals and Democrats. And that is... They can have a hurricane on top of them, and the news media will pretend, well, you know, we need the rain. I mean, that's that's basically the, the take that they'll have. There'll be no venom. As soon as the hurricane passes, oh, look, a sunny day. It's wonderful out. And, <laughs> and they'll do everything they can to blow those storm clouds past as quickly as possible. Meanwhile, you get a couple of uh, dark clouds with no actual rain on the right. It's, oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It's going to oh, be it's the, over. It, it's exactly. I mean, so, <laughs> the, the, and they will they'll make sure that uh, those storm clouds produce as much chaos and, and destruction as possible. So that's the, the, what the news media does. And if the news media had wanted, if Hillary was a conservative, and they wanted to cause trouble for her, this clip that we're about to play for you, I think would have ended Hillary because it goes way beyond Benghazi, way beyond politics. It goes to who she is as a human being. What? As a what? If, in fact, she even is a human being. You can decide for yourself based upon uh, this interchange with a a female Republican congressman, woman, over this um, email where Chris Stevens, who's going to die brutally, brutally. And he knows it. Right. He's begging yeah. For, for security resources, and it gets so bad, he actually has to essentially beg for stuff from other embassies that have already gotten out of Dodge. And Hillary's reaction to this, if the news media wanted it to be, 
would have been a death sentence to her presidential campaign instantaneously if she was a conservative. Yeah. Listen to this. Well, Congresswoman, one of the great attributes that Chris Stevens had was a really good sense of humor. And I just see him smiling as he's typing this um, because it is clearly in response to uh, the email down below talking about picking up a few, quote, fire sale items from the sure. Brits. Um, the, those fire sale items, by the way, fire sale items are barricades. That's right. They are additional That's requests right. for security That's for the right. compound. That's yeah. what that fire sale was because we weren't providing enough physical security for the compound. Isn't that right? So they're picking up a fire sale because other consulates are pulling out, other countries are pulling out. Well, I, I think thought it showed their funny. entrepreneurial spirit, Congresswoman, Absolutely. and I applaud it. I applaud them for doing so. Mm-hmm. Now, it's important for context. Of course, it's context the news media could never think to provide because they, when they hear that, it, it doesn't really do anything for them because they're not looking the media isn't looking for the aha moment. They're, they have no interest in that. I mean, unless they are beaten over the head with it, with Hillary, they're going to ignore it. And even then, they'll probably do their best to ignore it. But here's a, a, a person who she claims to have been a friend of hers, which I think the evidence is, indicates strongly that really isn't the case. But I, Who would want to be her friend okay, if that's but, the way she treats him? All right. But, but regard, let's just, for the sake of argument, pretend they're, they're, this is her friend. And he's dead now. And yeah. again, it was a brutal, horrible, horrific death that you could argue happened because of her, or at least she had some culpability in it. And certainly in retrospect, a normal human being would feel some guilt, oh, for, yeah. for, even if they didn't have actual responsibility. Their friend dies brutally, and here she is laughing. I mean, she's... She's she's taking almost joy and oh, <laughs> let me tell you what a great sense of humor he had as he yeah. was desperately begging for security materials that we didn't provide for him for, for my State Department. And, and yet I didn't see this anywhere except on right wing blogs. And and that's that's why we know that Hillary has got the full protection of the news media, which I have been saying for months and months and months was going to happen. All the people out there who have said to me numerous times on Twitter and Facebook and email and elsewhere, John, she's toast. She, no way. No, 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 no. You, you have been in agreement with me on this. No, 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 no. Yeah, and the final one, I think the FBI is standing by. In case this went south, they were going to be the heroes to clear her. Well, so now it's way easier for them. Ah, nothing to see here. Well, I think you're probably, whether you're going to have the motivations right, I don't know. We'll never know. But I think you're probably right on that. I, we've, neither of us have ever believed that the emails were going to result in an indictment. And, of course, so so because you don't have a clear knockout blow and because basically, you know, the right-wing media tells you one thing, the left-wing media tells you another thing, you know, the left-wing blogs are all thrilled that she's sitting there incredibly condescendingly with her chin in her palm. I mean, how— It was horrible. Oh, my God. A conservative would have been destroyed simply for the body language. Instead, yes. instead, the left-wing blogs love it. Oh, look at Hillary throw shade at these Republicans. And, of course, as soon as 
uh, as Kevin McCarthy uh, made his statement that, you know, essentially gave gave uh, gave the news media every reason they needed as if they needed one to disregard all this as a political exercise. I mean, it basically cut off the one testicle that the committee had left. She was allowed to do whatever she wanted. And um, Charles Krauthammer from a, a commentator on Fox News Channel, probably said it best uh, on, on this clip that we're going to play for you about how this all went down and the world we now live in with regard to the news media and how the truth just really doesn't matter. It's people just saying whatever they want to, to, to further their own purposes and then the public just believing whatever they want to believe because you can always find whatever you want to believe in any outlet that suits your needs. Here's Charles Krauthammer. There are three audiences. Well, the main audience that matters, unless she's indicted, is the people, American people watching this. They don't care about Blumenthal. She had a way when she lowered her voice and talked about the sleepless nights. Uh, It was a gripping performance, which is the way I would put it, so I can remain neutral on this. But uh, showing that she really cared, etc., or at least giving that impression. And that's what's going to be shown. And the, uh, the only thing that's going to be shown on the committee other than that in the clips is going to be the Trey Gowdy interchange with Cummings, which, of course, is a conflict, reality TV, and a nice little bit of heat. We're not going to get the, the contradictions. We're not going to get the facts. And we're not going to get the real story underlying it. We're living in an age where what you say and its relation with the facts is completely irrelevant, as we see in the presidential campaign. And it's carrying over into the hearings. Amen, Charles Krauthammer. And by the way, what he said there at the beginning of the clip about American people don't care about Blumenthal. That's Cindy Cindy Blumenthal, which is absolutely true. See, I actually believe, Leah, that other than the the entrepreneurial spirit clip, which should have destroyed Hillary from a human standpoint, the Cindy Blumenthal thing is at least as scandalous as the lie, except it takes far too much context, which the news media doesn't want to provide. And well, it's got to be dumb for America. Oh, it it's got to be really dumb. That's why I've always said, I know it's been cliche now, but I say it almost every week, unless we find an email of her dissing Beyonce or Taylor Swift, none of this matters. Because that's all Americans who are going to decide this election care about. They don't know who Sidney Blumenthal is. They're not going to understand why it was utterly outrageous that she did what she did with regard to him. I mean, what a political hack he is, and the fact that he was playing the role that he did was Unbelievable. It was utterly outrageous, but that's too complex. It wouldn't be too complex if she was a Republican. Oh, no. (laughs) They would have diagrams, flowcharts. Exactly. But it's too (laughs) complex for the American people and the American media. And, of course, so now that she has become, she has been deemed victorious, and the news media told us so, so I know it's true. Ha ha ha! Uh, The Democratic field for the Republic for the Democratic primary for president has just. uh, literally disintegrated we will talk about that when we return on the john and leah show on the free speech broadcasting network Welcome back. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. Leah Brandon is my co-host. We're going through the news of the week. 
And uh, this now officially begins our weekly look at the race to the White House 2016, which on the Democratic side looks like Custer's last stand, basically, where everybody except Hillary is uh, falling by the wayside incredibly fast. I mean, one debate, one debate. And uh, Jim Webb and uh, Lincoln Chafee are gone. But, of course, the big name this week that decided, eh, never mind, is Joe Biden. (laughs) Uh, Leah, tell us about all that. Well, yeah, and it was uh, coincidentally the day before the Benghazi hearings, Joe Biden has a big press conference with the president in the Rose Garden just to say basically, up too late. Unfortunately, I believe we're out of time, the time necessary to mount a winning campaign for the nomination. But while I will not be a candidate, I will not be silent. Uh Uh-huh. So uh, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, and Martin O'Malley, I guess, is still in. Is that correct? As of right now, as of as of Sunday as of evening. What time is it? Yeah, the way they're going at this rate, uh, by the end of next week, he'll be gone. Um, it's it's amazing. It's it's absolutely amazing. Um, obviously, you know, no one cares about Chafee at all. Uh, at all. Jim Webb is potentially significant. Because he is saying that he is going to look at an independent run. Now, I don't think he's going to get um, the money or the media coverage to run a full-scale independent run. But he doesn't need to to cause a huge problem for whoever the Republican candidate is. And, and here's why. Uh, he's a former senator from Virginia. He's mm-hmm. he's the last standing conservative Democrat in existence. He's a Correct. endangered species. If he gets on the ballot in Virginia, which is a big if, but if he does, it absolutely guarantees Hillary Clinton wins that state. Now, there is no possible way with Jim Webb slicing off four or five percent, whatever it would be, even if it was two percent of conservative Democrats, that Hillary loses the state of Virginia. And if she wins Virginia, the Electoral College map becomes exceedingly difficult, regardless. Uh, it's not possible, but it's it's exceedingly difficult, regardless of who uh, the Republican candidate is. Unless, of course, it's Donald Trump, because he's magic. And then all of a sudden the math doesn't matter. Cause okay, Trump- wait, wait, wait. So you think Jim Webb would have more of an effect on the Republicans? Yeah, he would take more Republican votes, and here's why. In order for a Republican to win in Virginia these days, you have to win those pro-gun conservative Democrats. Because there are a few in Virginia. And that's who are going to vote for Jim Webb instead of the Republican. And I know it's counterintuitive, but trust me, the people who are going to vote for Jim Webb were not Hillary people. <laughs> if, if, in fact, he's on the mallet, this is, we're talking about a lot of ifs here, probably just spending too much time on it, but he is saying he wants to run as an independent, and I think he could tip the scales in Virginia uh, <sighs> to Hillary, Hillary Clinton, as if she doesn't have enough going in her direction. <sighs> now, I know, I'm sorry to tell you that, but uh, so let's go to Biden. Now, the Biden thing we talked about numerous times and we were very split on what he was going to do i mm-hmm. i was never convinced either way it was you know I, I knew he was delusional enough to decide to go for this here's what i think happened i am now convinced that everything he did was pure man, political manipulation that he was trying to throw up 
trial balloons to see whether or not enough influential Democrats would follow them, and then he would get in. As it turns out, as as you played that clip there, he waited so long to see if anyone would follow the balloons, it was too late because very few key people were following the balloons, and foremost among them was Barack Obama. See, Barack Obama had a, a huge opportunity the, the Sunday before uh, Biden's announcement on 60 Minutes, one, to downgrade Hillary over the email issue, and yeah. and two, and I said this last week, two, in order to, to pump up Joe Biden. But he didn't. He didn't either. He backed Hillary, and he was very nice to Joe Biden. But as I said last week, kind of in the same way that a father might be if his special needs son was going to try out for quarterback of the high school football team, and he was trying to dissuade him from doing so so he doesn't embarrass himself. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the sense that I got. And it's very clear that what happened behind the scenes, at least to me, behind the scenes was that influential Democrats were getting no signals from Obama that they needed to go over to Biden. Biden finally got the message and said, I can't do this, which is shocking that Biden was was finally able to get the message. I was Uh, wondering if there was like some kind of weapon uh, for Barack Obama that he was holding against the side of Joe Biden out there. Just in case he didn't change it. That's a great point. (laughs) That that was a pretty risky move on Obama's part to let Joe have the Rose Garden with him there because Joe was just nuts enough to go, you know what, screw it, let's do this. I could have told the president was right next to him, like uncomfortably close like, to him. It was weird. Like ready to jump in and take the mic. I mean, cut he had the a mic. gun to his back. I, I'm wonder, I wonder if, if Obama had a signal ready to go to cut his mic in case Joe went rogue at any particular moment. Now, what you're telling me is interesting because Biden was on 60 Minutes tonight, which I didn't get a chance to see because I'm on the West Coast. And you're telling me. That and his interview with Nora O'Donnell, a woman I've had yes. numerous battles with uh, mm-hmm. back in my uh, Sarah Palin days, and whom I do not respect at all. It's amazing to me that she is on 60 Minutes, um, but that's another story for another day. That apparently Biden acknowledges that the now infamous story of Bo, his now deceased son, telling him on his deathbed that he should run for president, that that did not happen. Correct. Uh, Let me just read to you from the transcript. He says to her, well, first thing I'd like to do, and you're being very polite the way you're asking me the question, because some people have written that, you know, Bo on his deathbed said, Dad, you've got to run. And there was this sort of Hollywood moment that, you know, nothing like that ever, ever happened. Wow. Now, what's now? I can't wait to hear what Maureen O'Donnell. No, 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 I just, I just completely combined the Maureen names. Maureen O'Dowd or Doubt is who right. is it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. They're all alike. No, no. Nora O'Donnell is the reporter on 60 Minutes. Okay, um, and the New York Times reporter is the one who who wrote the story. That uh, we now believe that supposedly Biden was the source on the Bo story, Correct. and um, so it'll be interesting to see what she says. Well, you know, does that mean that that Biden lied to her, or was it somehow screwed up that Biden really wasn't the source? But um, you know, that doesn't make a. There's a lot of confusion here, but it certainly goes to the bottom line of what I've been saying for the last two weeks. For the last two weeks, I've been saying that story was not true.
Mm-hmm. And it turns out I was right. My BS detector, although it went off late, and it went off late mainly because, you know, that's a type of story that you don't want to seem like that much of an a-hole by saying it's not true. I mean, this is his dead son's dying wish. <laughs> right. Uh, so now it's kind of in between. You're exactly right. Yeah. So He's it, saying that he's always wanted him to run. <laughs> so we've got everybody with their plausible deniability. Yeah. And, and, but the reality is that the essence of that story was balderdash. Shocking. Correct. Shocking that the media would create a false narrative. Shocking a, that he would lie. Right. Shocking that Biden would <laughs> lie but the media creates a false narrative to forward their own agenda that's i've never heard of that before all right <laughs> uh, when we come back what does all this mean for the republican side we'll get to uh, trump sanity and uh, more when we return on the john and leah show on the free speech broadcasting network 